1: Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on life-changing talk radio, 105.1 FM WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams, and I'm director of ministry relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. You know, folks, can I just tell you, I, there, there may have been a time, there really may have been a time, but I do not remember a time when our politics... Have been so divisive, so highly politically charged. And you take then the Washington, D.C. region, that's multiplied exponentially. Then you add in the current crisis we are facing, and things just seem so explosive. It is imperative that we commit to living out our faith. Of course, at times it can be easier said than done, right? Well, joining us today is a man who is going to offer us some practical steps to living out our faith in these highly charged times. So, we're going to talk about that. And of course, you know the drill. Here to get us going, to get us started, to introduce our guest for the day is my good friend, my buddy, my co host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bales, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. God bless you, brother. Good to see you, man.
2: Hey, man, it's good to be here again. We find ourselves a bit in a different situation than we normally are doing this a bit remote. So thanks to our listeners who are kind of hanging in there with maybe the little bit different sound. But uh, our prayer for you, wherever you find yourself in the midst of uh, this COVID-19 thing or whatever it might be, is that uh, you are experiencing the power and the truth of the good news in your life. And as we said this on the show before many, many times that uh, in the world that we live in, Our responsibility is to live like a sheep in a donkey-elephant world. Uh, And especially here in the Washington metro Mm -hmm. area, people wanting to label us with any other animal other than sheep belonging to the Good Shepherd uh, is a challenge that we have to fight against. Uh, Their identity is in Christ first and foremost, not in our political affiliation or political bent or political belief. And so I am excited to have in studio or virtually in studio with us today, Frank Shelton. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's an international evangelist traveling the globe, spreading the good news of Jesus. Uh, he served as a youth pastor, a minister of evangelism, a senior leader pastor at a church, vice president of National Christian Youth Speakers Network, and now he's an international evangelist. He resides in Southern Maryland with his wife, Ruth, and his two children. He's a nationally endorsed speaker with both Upwards and Compassion International, but more importantly, uh, he is a child of God, and he's called by him to do what God has asked him to do right now to deliver this ministry. Uh, he points people far from God to a personal relationship with Jesus. He has co authored six books, uh, three most recent books, Career versus Calling in 2007, Blessedness of Brokenness in 2012, and Carrying Greatness in 2014. So let's just dive right into it. And first, to say, Frank, thanks for joining us today.
3: Oh, uh, well, Brian and Dennis, thank you for the honor. God bless you.
2: Yeah, so going back to what I said just a minute ago, with the pressure of the world that we live in uh, to want to identify as donkeys or elephants instead of a sheep, as uh, who belong to the shepherd, how do we keep our biblical bearings in a somewhat highly polarized uh, political environment and season as we get closer and closer to an election that's going to happen in the fall of this year?
3: Well, the most important thing, is you said, it we need to just be biblical is the key. And um, a little background, my family uh, has protected the last 27 of 29 United States presidents. Mm. We go all the way back to Abraham Lincoln. It was my ancestor, Shelton, who hand-carried Abraham Lincoln across the street from Ford State or Good Friday, 1865. My father retired as the assistant chief of the entire America's Police Department, the United States Capitol Police. So out of 3,000, my dad was the number two top cop in Washington, D.C., He protected eight U.S. presidents. And I learned a lot from my dad and Billy Graham. Billy Graham pastored 13 U.S. presidents, but he ministered to six, of which he didn't even vote for. But he said God died as quick for Richard Nixon as he died for William Jefferson Clinton. And I really believe if my father was willing to die for eight presidents, over half he didn't personally vote for, how come some of us can't say hi to people who look a little bit different than us or vote different than us, because I believe Jesus, everybody needs Christ. So for the last three years, I personally lead a weekly Bible study in the state capitol to senators and representatives. I think the church as a whole has been great going after poor people, but somehow we haven't ministered to powerful people. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, whether they're homeless or Hollywood, they all need Jesus. So I will just share this real quick, Brian. There are some pastors Um, who were so obsessed with Obama that they took their eyes off the omnipotent. And there's some folks today who got so fixated with Trump that they're not even trusting the Trinity and the process. So I just believe that uh, we need to pray for those in authority. We need to respect for those in authority. But ultimately, God is the supreme authority. But I really believe we need to pray for our president. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for the world. But what the world is really looking for is not political leadership. They're looking for pastoral leadership. And I just think we got to keep the main thing the main thing.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I think you highlighted, and I think maybe an easy thing to struggle with is that in the world, when we read John chapter 17, Jesus said one of his prayers is that we would be unified. Uh, And that was his prayer for the church, prayer for his people. But it's really easy to take the term unity and make it a synonym for uniformity. Um, And we have a very diverse group of people in the body of Christ. And so as a diverse group of people who have various thoughts and beliefs, how can we work towards this idea of maintaining unity in Jesus Christ despite our differences and our lack of ability in many areas to be
3: uniform? Amen. Well, that's a great question. And it's funny you bring up the word uniform. I've been told the Greek word for denomination actually spells division. Uh, I actually believe we're so divided amongst denominations that we haven't mobilized or multiplied as the body of Christ. So when you say uniformity, I personally believe what is most important is not the name on the church door, but is Jesus the name on the jersey. Because yeah. I preach in all of them. He's more wonderful than Wesleyan's. He's more mighty than the Methodist. He's bigger than the Baptist box. And he's even more powerful than the Pentecost. I love them all. But we can get hung up in secondary issues and miss the primary thing. And, and pardon the political statement, but even Christ trumps Trump. So we just need to, you yeah. know, even in denominational circles, we just really need to just not get hung up. And the, uh, the secondary, we need to know our first post, which is Christ. Yeah.
2: Well, the book of Romans reminds us it's a, it's a verse I think a lot of people have seen uh, or heard used before Romans chapter 8. We know that God works together for all, God mm-hmm. works all things together for good according to his purpose. For the purpose, though, is to conform people to be more like the image of Jesus Christ. I say that because that means even in the midst of a COVID 19 outbreak, that God could use this. Uh, Mm -hmm. to make us more like Jesus. right? And I I think in the midst of this, looking for what Jesus is doing is a really important thing, especially because there are some people right now in the midst of this are experiencing fear more than faith. How do you think we can combat that fear with the true faith that comes from Jesus Christ and the gospel?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I believe it was A.W. Tozer that said a scared world needs to see a fearless church. Mm, okay. And what they need from us as leaders or laity or just disciples, they need to see us not only faithful, but we need to be faith filled. Mm-hmm. You know this better than me. I've been told the word fear not is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. One for and each day Carl is what I heard. said one for each day. And I believe if an apple a day keeps the doctor away, I believe faith today will keep fear away. So I'm just going to lean on faith more than fear.
2: And so when it comes to leaning on faith and it comes to this idea of not just leaning, which is obviously an intellectual ascent, but that gap between what we intellectually believe and then living it out, which is then actually taking what we say we believe in our head and executing it with our actions, executing it in, in real ways. In, in your mindset, in your thought process, what are some ways that we can live out our faith and even display our faith during this time of social isolation, but that doesn't mean we have to be spiritually isolated in sharing our faith in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis?
3: Exactly. Well, just because the season, Brian, that we're actually still doesn't mean we are to stop doing what he's called us to do. Yeah. Um, and this crisis, I've just had to get creative. And, uh, you know, so whether you're doing Facebook Live or you're putting out a podcast or just encouraging friends or having a small house Bible study, I'll give you an example. Three weeks ago tonight, I was invited to preach to 150,000 Muslims in Pakistan. I was invited to preach 12 miles from where they killed Osama bin Laden. And I was going to be surrounded by the Taliban. I was invited to preach with a man who is the Billy Graham of Pakistan. I served five years on staff with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And they said, Frank, why in the world would you come preach with the Taliban? Well, one, the Taliban needs Jesus. ISIS needs Jesus. Communism needs Jesus. But I also knew this day was coming, Brian. And I also knew there would be a day where we may not have forever to reach the masses. So yeah. how did I have to kind of go to plan b sunday and monday i was already booked to do a three-day revival at dunkirk baptist church in calvert county maryland but i end up preaching instead of a packed house to 600 empty seats and i preached my guts out with no one in the sanctuary but the it guy but we sell thousands watch it online but the word of the day is if i'm not willing to share jesus when no one's watching I'm probably not ready to preach Jesus if everybody's watching. Mm. So this was a personal test for me in the ministry. You know, is it about crowds or is it about Christ? But once it's about Christ, there's still crowds we got to reach. Yeah. So uh, Billy Graham used anything. He used, uh, you know, technology, movies, stadium, emails. And Charlton Heston said the gospel's the greatest story ever told. So like that old hymn I sang as a kid, I just love to tell the story. And now's not the time to stop telling the story. They need to hear it more, not less.
1: Isn't it yeah. something though, Frank, that uh um you at that church, what was it, Dunkalk?
3: A Dunkirk, Calvert yeah. County
1: Dunkirk Baptist. So isn't that something though? If if you had been there and preached and it was packed, you'd have got about six hundred people. But doing That's it the other right. way, you got thousands of people. That's correct. Well so, I Yes, and that's
3: true. And, I, and to be quite honest, it's icing on the ta- cake because I wasn't guaranteed to come back from Pakistan when I preached. So this is just God's given me a reprieve. But um, I also be, feel called to also really just waking the sleeping church. You know, there's a lot of wonderful churches in DMV, but uh, my mandate is not only to reach the loss, it's to minister to ministers and encourage them. You know, Babe Ruth in one year led the league in home runs but what a lot of people forget, he led the same season in strikeouts. But at least when that brother was up to bat, he was swinging for the fence. So I just want to encourage all my clergy colleagues. Um, by the way, we're colleagues, and not competition. And two, you know, Bible Call has taught us how to promote the Lord, but somehow we failed to promote each other. So I just want to be a cheerleader to my clergy mm. friends. Yeah. But man, uh, and the words of smoke in the bandit, we have a long ways to go in a short time to get there. Yeah. God, the word ministry minus urgency equals catastrophe. And uh, mm-hmm. so let's say the smoke clears. I don't believe it will ever be back to normal, but that's maybe not a bad thing. But I just believe more than ever, we got to love God, love our people and go looking for lost people because Jesus just didn't die to save him. I think he's dying to use them, <laughs> So yeah. we're just going after everybody. Dennis, we've we've heard a lot of great things uh, on the show
2: over the last couple years we've been doing it, but I have to say, that might be our first Smokey and the Bandit reference. So uh, props to you, Frank, in that, and not only using it, but using it very like an evangelist should, right? I mean, this is when we think about an evangelist speaking to church leaders and lay people, we, we look at Acts chapter 17 and Paul as a great example of using what was available to him in the culture. I see that you have. Uh, a, an idol here to an unknown God. Let, let, me, uh, let me take that and let me put that into the truth of the gospel. What uh, advice then what I would say, whether or not you're of the 1970s Smokey and the Bandit generation or whether you're not of the 1970s, you find yourself in a different generation talking to a different group of people, what advice could you offer to contextualizing, so to speak, to use that example, the good news for, for groups uh, or individuals and everyone in between?
3: Well, that's a profound question, so I'll do my best to answer, but I used to serve on the board with Josh McDowell, and he's a legend in our circles, as you know. Mm -hmm. He said something I'll never forget. He said, Frank, people may criticize your theology, but they cannot argue with your testimony, and I just really believe some of us preach, some of us teach, but we each can reach, and I believe we make history every time we tell his story. So when we just in love, share what Jesus has done for you. Um, Billy Graham preached a simple message all around the world. It started out with three words, God loves you. And uh, it wasn't religion, do, do, do. Respectfully, that sounds like you know what. Religion isn't do. Jesus said it's done. It's finished. He did the work, but we just need to share the story. So I have the saying, whether they're Hollywood or homeless, or powerful politicians on the Hill, they all need Jesus. I don't know if you know this. Two months ago, I prayed privately with President Daniel Ortega from Nicaragua and his private home and the residents. And uh, Mm -hmm. I gave him a Bible study that my former supervisor leads the weekly cabinet Bible study. I hand-delivered it to the communist president, and they are now leading a weekly Bible study in Nicaragua from the president on down. They flew me back to Nicaragua, and I got to preach on the floor of Congress four months ago. I was the only white American in the country. They gave an award, first time in 450 years. They honored the Holy Bible in Nicaragua. And someone said, why in the world did you go there? I believe evangelism works with communism. And see, so many of us have tried to change laws, but when the Holy Spirit changes hearts, that not only changes policy, more importantly, it ch- changes people. And then it changes places. So, you know, I just believe it's the gospel that uh, makes the difference.
2: Yeah, you mentioned, you know, traveling. Obviously, you didn't get a chance to, to head out and to speak at the Taliban, but, you know, Nicaragua and other places. Yeah. In your international experience, I guess is the term that I'll use. Uh, what is it that you would want our listeners to, to understand about that which is similar Regarding the spiritual needs of everyone, whether they're from Nicaragua, whether they're from Iraq, or whether they're from, um, you know, Boston Heights, or whatever it no. might be, versus what's, what's different about people?
3: Well, to be quite honest, other than the, uh, the clothes and maybe the accent, uh, to me, I found it to be the same. Um, the human heart is the same. It not only beats the same, it hurts the same. R.E.M. Mm-hmm. E. had a number one song in nineteen ninety where it said, everybody hurts. And um, I just believe that when we can just love on people, um, it goes a long way. I was told when you preach on hell, you should never do so without tears dripping down your eyes. Um, you know, the folks are willing to hear that the gospel works and, and I've seen it work. Um, I'll give you a, a local example. Um, three years ago, I was invited to preach in Monroeville, Alabama in a town of 6,000. Twenty-seven pastors came together, and uh, we had a a tent that seated 2,000, and they brought me in for a five-night revival. So if it filled up, one-third of the town would be under that tent. Half the folks said, these things don't work anymore. And I said, the gospel works. The key is, are we willing to work? So then they said, do we put out 300 or 400 chairs? And I said, in a 2000 seat tent, they said, yeah, this is our first rodeo. And I said, well, you better shrink the tent or grow your faith. Well, we put it out by faith. And uh, we ran 1,800 people seven nights in a row in a town of 6,000. And the man who does the follow-up for Luis Palau was there. We had 81 trained counselors. And this is not evangelistically speaking. We had 405 salvations in a town of 6,000. Yeah. And that was in Alabama. <laughs> so then I preached the last three New Year's Eve's to 118,000 on New Year's Eve at Nelson Mandela Soccer Stadium. I'm one of only three white people in the entire arena. And I'm preaching in Mandela Stadium, the Pearl of Africa, Uganda. And I had the honor to preach on the platform. And when I gave the invitation, there were so many people, no one could move forward. But it sounded like a third of the arena was either crying or repeating the prayer. And it just goes to show you, you know, um, I've also learned that uh, the gospel works you know, in DC, it works in Detroit, it will work in Denmark, you know, it works in Los Angeles, it will work in Libya.
2: And for anyone who's listening to this, now we have the privilege of seeing you, um, but I think they could hear in your voice, uh, not only your passion, uh, but that you are an encourager, you know, encourager to the truth of the gospel. Um, And I think for those of us who are leaders, uh, that is our call to encourage and passion. But there are times or well, we ourselves, uh, need to be encouraged. How do you stay encouraged and built up in your faith, uh, especially when you're often the vessel God uses to do that for others? Amen.
3: Well, I've learned brother, that you cannot give away what you don't have. They said, well, yeah. then the well will come up in the bucket. And, um, so more than ever, um, this may sound unique. I not only love to listen to WAVA and, uh, other radio stations, GTS, again, we're colleagues, not competition, but I go to sleep with praise music on. Mm -hmm. I love to glean from other ministers. I met Adrian Rogers' wife, and I said, hey, I've been known to quote your husband more than once. And she laughed, and she said, Frank, she said, Adrian said you could borrow his bullets, but you still needed to get your own gunpowder. And what she was saying by that is you may steal a sermon, but you cannot steal the anointing. Mm. So the word for all my clergy friends, I've learned, that you will never be God's microphone in public until you've gotten alone with him in private. So I spent a lot of times on my knees. A lot of folks want a platform, but unless you're willing to pay the price, you're just playing games. So listen to praise. Uh, I even have my 11 year old son pray over me before I preach Mm -hmm. and I I don't want to lose that childlike faith. But, uh, so, but yeah, the key is just listening to others. Um, I was told good leaders are great readers. So I read everything I can take the good, leave the bad, but you gotta, you know, David said he encouraged himself in the Lord. So yeah. uh, it's a lonely journey, but I, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah.
2: Well, um, give me a quick story if you can. It's one of the things we love to do on the show about how you're seeing God. You've shared some of them already, but maybe one you haven't yeah. already shared about God moving, whether it's here
3: locally in the DMV or in the States or throughout the world. Well, no, that's great. So without naming a name for confidentiality, and again, I actually personally myself, I had worked in four different White Houses of two different parties. So I have convictions, but I, I'm not going to air out my cards on the radio. I, I wanted more than one political party represented at my funeral. I have this saying that if you only hang out with folks who look like you and vote like you, you probably don't look like Jesus. Paul was all thanks to all men. I learned in math class, what you do to one side, you better do to the other. So I also believe in trying to be bipartisan as far as if you're going to have a Bible study with conservatives, you better make sure you walk the halls and invite the Democrats to come too. You know, God loves everybody. But having said that, there is a member of Congress, a Democrat from the Northeast, and we've been sharing Bible study with him. And he told my friend with tears, "Um, I'm losing sleep over something. And we said, what's that? And he said, quote, the abortion issue is keeping me up at night. The Bible study you gave us and the Bible on my desk, I'm starting to see differently. In his words, I'm either going to have to retire, resign, or vote pro-life for the first time in a 30-year career on Capitol Hill. I'm not disclosing who it was, but again, when God begins to move in hearts, um, you know, God makes all the difference. So that's mm. something huge. And I, yeah. I do think we need to pray for those in authority. Yeah. And um, instead of throwing proverbial rocks on them, I've learned it's hard to hate the individual yes. when you're on your knees weeping for him
2: yeah. and, that's, and that's a great way to, to close our time together, Frank. Just thanks for that. That that story that you shared is just a reminder of something that Dennis says at the end of every show. That's part of our uh, tagline. That's the music we play. It is the gospel Amen. that makes a way. It makes a way in our hearts. It changes everything. Uh, and thanks, just thanks for coming on and thanks for your time. Dennis, I'm encouraged as always.
1: Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when Frank was telling that last story, I, uh, I had the privilege and, and I've walked the halls of Congress and I haven't met as many people as my brother Frank has. But a few years ago, I met a guy um, that I didn't care for his TV persona at all. I mean, I just, I just didn't care for it, right? And, but when I met the guy... I fell in love with him, man. Because we shared Jesus, we talked about Jesus together. Um Amen. We trips to Israel. I mean, just all kinds of stuff, right? So I was like, "Man, do you guys put on a, a public face and a private face?" <laughs> he kind of laughed. You know? <laughs> I mean, I just fell in love with the guy. So Amen. you're right, man. That's it's the gospel that does all that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, folks, if you want to get more information, hey, you can go to frankshelton.com. That's frankshelton.com. If you want to listen to this again, go to goodnewsforthecity.com. Again, goodnewsforthecity.com or wava.com. Put in the keyword good news, and you can look that up and listen to it again. Or again, even though we are far away, you can still reach me at the radio station, 703 703-807-2266. Hey, Frank, God bless your brother. Thank you for being with us, man. We appreciate you. We love you. Folks, we will see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the
0: gospel, the
1: gospel that makes a way.
0: Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership. Movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington DC metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to WABA.com keyword good news, or you can call us at 703 800 807-2266, 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.